Welcome to the Facility Dude Podcast. Here's your host, Bob, Papa Dude Bittner. Well, welcome to uh, Facility Dude Podcast. We're glad you're joining us this morning. And I have here in the studio with me, Ann Clefcorn. And Ann is kind of our expert around crisis planning. And uh, we have this uh, kind of unique application that uh, runs on your phone that we call Crisis Manager. We, I just wanted to bring Ann in a little bit this morning and talk about the need for planning for a crisis. Uh, and I was uh, just showing you a little bit earlier a, uh, a manual that I had back in the uh, mid to late 80s about uh, a crisis plan and a documentation. And the best we could do at the time was uh, write it all up, put it in a notebook, and have it on a shelf somewhere. And I think uh, even today, that's how a lot of people respond and document, even if they do document. Uh, a lot of people will let the crisis come and then try to figure it out as they go. What's been kind of your experience uh, in your past with uh, managing a crisis plan, the need and value of a crisis plan. Can you share a little bit of that? Yeah, absolutely. So first off, thanks for having me today. It's a pleasure to be here. As far as managing crises, prior to joining Facility Dude, I managed a target. And one of those, uh, one of my job responsibilities was to manage about 150 employees, as well as any guests in the building. So that's where I kind of came up with why I really wanted to work with crisis management because we had a lot of incidents where, you know, they had everything in paper format, they gave you binders, but nine times out of ten, if something happened, everyone was on their cell phones. It was me calling other managers, it was me texting uh, the next shift saying don't show up until further notice. So that's kind of where I wanted to transition into this field because I think there's a really big opportunity for growth for more efficiency. Um, because a lot of nine times out of ten, you're going to grab your keys and your phone and decide what to do next. You're really probably not looking for some book that may exist, may not be up to date, has wrong numbers in it, or may not uh, be there at all. You can't find it. You might be at the other end of the property and something happens and you don't have time to go look for something, right? Exactly, exactly. And And honestly... Paper and binder is not our natural habit. As humans, you know, each each year, each generation is transitioning more to technology. And so it's natural for us to grab our phones or grab our iPads or anything like that. But it's not a consistent habit for Americans specifically to grab a binder or go say, hey, stop. I know the fire alarm's going off, but we should really find the map to how to evacuate. You know, we want to use the habits we've already created. So let's assume now that we... Uh we know that technology can be an advantage for us. Tell us about the real value of planning ahead of time. The, some of the things that maybe you experienced that you were involved with that we should be prepared for and have a high probability, and in some cases a low probability of happening, but we still need to be prepared for. What are some of the things that we should a, a good facility manager ought to really look at as far as understanding the crisis at hand? Absolutely. And I think there's the, the preparation is invaluable. It's, you know, every one of your staff's lives is important to you and that's where that foundation lies. So any incident between uh, medical down to EpiPen up to, God forbid, a shooter in the building, I would suggest being prepared for. Because unfortunately, you know, just to, off the top of my head, government, for example, 14% of all shootings happen in a government facility. Now you wouldn't think that working in town hall or thinking in, working in parks and rec. 
But that's statistically what happens. So we want to make sure that you're prepared for all those incidents. So what I would suggest is starting with just even the foundation of writing those plans, saying, okay, here's where everyone needs to be, here's what everyone needs to do, um, and just make it step-by-step where they should be and who they should contact. You know, we have some some basic things that we need to follow that usually if it's a, uh, a place where public comes, uh, a store or a school or a county courthouse or wherever, the uh, local fire marshal is going to help us and help us understand a routing plan to get out. Usually those are posted in the building. And so some of those things where we have a, an understanding of what we ought to be thinking about, how important is it just to be sit down at my desk and say, golly, what are all the things that could go wrong? And sometimes I think that becomes so overwhelming that we just put the paper down Put the, the, uh, close the lid on my, on my laptop and say, this is just too daunting of a task. Where do you start with something? Good point. I think you would start with what's most relevant for y'all. So if, you know, if you're in Florida and hurricanes are big for you, I would definitely start with that. But if you're in Oklahoma and hurricanes obviously aren't relevant for you guys, I would start with tornadoes or whatever is most common and consistent for you guys. I would start with that and then build from that. It's not necessarily that you have to have all your plans done tomorrow just like that, but rather let's start and give our staff the resources to feel empowered and in just one step at a time. And so we look at, uh, that's a great, great suggestion of look at the things that are going to happen in your area, mm-hmm. in your organization, what's more likely to happen. And I, I'm, I'm thinking that probably a good way to start with some of these things is to start small and build on it. Absolutely. Add to it. Mm-hmm. Um, what, it what kind of suggestions do you use, uh, have for using, uh, for our users around bringing some people together with the best knowledge to write some of these plans, to put them together uh, so they are available. Absolutely. I think diversity is going to be huge there. So for for grabbing the different folks to write those plans, everyone's going to have a different perspective. So I would try to grab somebody from each department, whether it be HR, um, a fire marshal or a fire department representative, somebody even from town hall or parks and rec, because everyone's going to have a different experience and a background so that HR is going to be focused on uh, you know, sexual harassment, policies, dress codes, while uh, the fire marshal is going to be focused on evacuating people. So adding all those people together is really going to make a big difference on how robust and well-rounded those plans are going to be. So you mean you really want me to sit down at a table with HR and talk about something like this? You know, I always kid about uh, my favorite friends are usually in HR or IT, <laughs> right? But uh, I... I think your point is is extremely valuable. People that we sometimes don't normally interact with but have an impact on this uh, are really valuable to bring into the process mm-hmm. and, and to understand. Once you develop, let's say you develop um, a dozen potential crises that might go on in your organization, uh, how do you communicate it then to the rest of the organization? How do you get that out so people know know about it and understand what their role and responsibility is? There a ro- is there a place for role playing, planning, doing some kind of exercises? I know we're required to do some things like fire evacuations and so forth. We have them here in our building from time to time, but around other things, mm-hmm. uh, you know, in some of our school clients, we've. Uh, God forbid we have situations where active shooters or bomb threats become a reality. And um, how important it is, is it to practice and let people know about what the plan is? 
So that's going to be a key ingredient to being successful is having different aspects that everyone can learn. So not only having those plans accessible for your staff, which is what we do with crisis manager and crisis plan here, but also keeping to practice those those trends and those those plans themselves because the training itself is really what's going to knock down into everyone's brains. It's going to stay there so when those emergency situations happen, you know what to do. But also that sometimes, unfortunately, you know, we're not all certified first responders. So we want to make sure that even if that training falls through the roof, if it just doesn't work out, you still have those plans, you know, on their smartphones, on their iPads, on things they're actually using. And that's going to be key. When you when you talk about bringing uh, folks in like the fire marshal and things that happen, um, how valuable is it to have outside experts come in and help you with some of these uh, we, we talked about internally mm-hmm. around HR and, and even finance and IT and lots of different folks, uh, the maintenance organization. How about some outside resources uh, available to help? I think that could be a, a really good suggestion is having a third party included because they're going to see things that you don't typically see or that you've become numb to seeing on a day-to-day basis. You know, you might see the fire exit and assume, okay, everyone can get out of there. Everyone knows where that is. But if a third party comes in and says, uh, you know, not everyone can see that sign from this angle or not everyone knows where the exit is because you can't see it, uh, they can really give you a different perspective on things. So let's say, for instance, we have a situation that comes up that would fall under a crisis plan in our organization. And we pull up the document and it says uh, we've got 16 steps here to do, but I get down to step six and something's very different from what I was expecting. Uh, How important is it to to stick to that plan, uh, really try to execute against that plan when something different has, has happened during the process? Oh, that's going to be very vital because that's what's going to cover all your liability, all your risk later. Because after each one of these events, you're going to want to come back and evaluate how it went. And as well as your insurance company, more importantly, is going to ask, why did why did the events happen the way they did? And you want to make sure you have everything documented down to the down to the T, saying, here's what happened, here's what we directed our staff to do, and here's why it ended up the way it did. And even though we planned for something uh Things change, right? Maybe exactly. it, it didn't. Somebody didn't respond like they were supposed to. Somebody else has to jump in. Somebody else has to do something, or we just didn't. We didn't see that coming at us. Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, I, I think uh, a lot of the times we get really focused on the five percent of the things that will never happen, and we spend eighty percent of our time working on that, as opposed to eighty percent of the stuff that will happen, and we spend very little time because we think we know that. We, th- we think we're comfortable with that because we've been through it before, but we've never really documented it. We've really never studied it. We've really never tried to improve. And I, I think the uh, the understanding that, you know, we don't like to talk about crisis, right? Mm-hmm. We don't like to, to uh, think about somebody getting, uh, a child getting hurt on our playground and how do we respond. We don't like to think about a shooter. We just don't like to even talk about it. It's even difficult for me to get those words out of my mouth uh, talking about it, about an active shooter in schools. But we have enough evidence today to understand that those happen. And so how how important then is it also to go and talk to some of the people that have been involved with some of these things? Maybe I, we haven't, our organization hasn't been involved in an active shooter, but how Im- important is it to go and understand some of the values that other people have pulled in during those uh, crises? 
I think that's going to be very, very important because you're going to see a real perspective of how it actually happened. Uh, you know, in your mind, you can drum up as many situations as you think that would happen and how they'll go. But until you talk to somebody who's been in that situation, you'll never know realistically here's what happened and here's how it could go. So I think that's going to be a really key ingredient as well. The uh, role of a, um, a coordinator in all of this, uh, who usually leads uh, the the event, if something were to happen, if a crisis were to happen, who's usually the one that kind of pulls the trigger and says, we're going into action uh, on this crisis plan. Here's the thing that we're going to, we're going to follow our procedures that we put together. Who usually triggers that? Honestly, in any organization, it can be whoever you've designated, but it just has to be communicated that that's the person. So it could be the principal, it could be, uh, you know, the, the county manager, it could be um, the head of your, your manufacturing department. But we, the key is to make sure you communicate to all your staff that this person is in charge. He or she is going to be making those decisions, and we need to follow their direction. And we work with a lot of uh, clients that have um, a lot of kids in them. We have schools. We have uh, YMCAs with camps. Uh, and even even family members uh, as far as employees. And we, th- we think a lot of, in terms of... Uh, a crisis about what's happening right at the moment at the place. But today with uh, Twitter and some of those things that speed communication so fast, how important is it for us to communicate out to the community, to the community of users and those that are affected by uh, what's going on uh, at that situation, at that crisis, of being able to assure parents that we're taking care of their kids or we have them safe or you can't come yet, but there, here's why. Mm-hmm. Talk a little bit about that part of being prepared and communicating. Well, I think the best way I can explain that is I, I've got a personal story I'll, I'll quickly share with you. Is When I was in college, I went to a school that had a, a suspected gunman on campus. And I remember sitting in one of the classrooms and getting a phone call from my uncle in five states over saying, hey, are you, do you guys know you're on the news? And I had no idea. I was completely thrown off. I went in sheer panic. And that's when I saw police go through the hallways. And it's situations like that that made me want to be in a career that I could help people understand how important communication is. You know, had at the time someone told me, hey, here's the situation. There's a gunman in the buildings. This is what you need to do next. And this is why we're following these procedures. Um, it's going to keep your staff calm. But more importantly, it's going to keep your community calm, which is a key ingredient to having a successful uh, team morale and, and just making sure everyone's on the same page. We have such a tendency as a people to, we want to rush to where that is, where that mm-hmm. event's going on. One of the things we want to see, we, uh, you know, a lot of times you'll see an accident on the interstate and on the northbound lane and the southbound lane will be just as tied up just from people looking, right? And so we want, we kind of gravitate to that and we want to know what's going on. The news is blasting all the time. I would just like to uh, to encourage our uh, listeners, our facility managers, even if uh, uh, maybe you haven't been tasked with it in your organization, a lot of times it is tasked and driven from an HR standpoint, but I would really, uh, since we know facility managers are going to be so deeply involved with anything that happens on their property, that they really look at, are your policies up to date? Are they really current? And can they be accessed uh, in an easy way, in an easy manner, so we can follow some of those. And then the kind of the follow-up. You know, when something happens and it's triggered, 
afterwards. Let's get back together. Let's try to understand where our procedure might have been weak, uh, where we did a really good job on it. Try to understand any nuances about that situation and then move forward with the next one and modify and update. I know um, every organization has some type of a crisis that they need to deal with. What are some of the things that we, you, I know you've talked to a lot of our clients uh, about this very subject. What do you get their sense of their biggest issues and concerns are? I think the biggest issue that I'm seeing consistently is communication. Whether it be telling your staff to not come in due to severe weather or communicating, hey, we're all on lockdown. I think that's the biggest consistent concern I'm seeing. And that's where we really wanted to step in with a crisis manager and crisis plan to make sure that your staff knows exactly where to be, who to communicate with, and what to do next. So that's the consistency I'm seeing. When we have a, uh, with our natural tendency to want to see what's going on. Mm -hmm. We don't want to put somebody else in harm's way, right? We want to be able to communicate and tell the story of actually what's happening. So you do keep people maybe that don't need to be involved with it away from the situation. So something else you just don't have to worry about dealing with. So I appreciate your time today. And I think one of the things that we should do here at The Dude is just continue and encourage people, connect people together. I know we do some things that are... uh, Uh, Dude University that uh, talks about uh, planning for crisis. And I just would, I know that it's a thing that we kind of put off because we don't think it's going to happen to us today. And the next thing you know, we're in the middle of it and uh, we're not totally prepared. I'd like to encourage our facility managers to get uh, involved with it, make sure their plans are up to date. When something happens, take the time early on to review it, to make sure that uh, it worked like it was supposed to, and if it didn't, make adjustments. Uh, check us out. Check uh, our application out if you don't have something. It, it is a tool. Uh, it's not the only tool. You don't have to have it. You can still carry your notebook around under your arm if you want to, but uh, I find that it's uh, much easier to have it on my phone and uh, have it available. Uh, but uh, part of our, our process here with the, these webcasts is not to promote a product, but just to really to promote a a technology and to promote the need for. And so as we encourage our listeners to make sure that their crisis plans are up to date, get help if you need it, include different people. Don't do it in a vacuum is what I heard you say today. Be prepared and uh, by all means communicate, right? Share it with uh, what we're doing, not only beforehand, but during the crisis and afterwards. So, Anne, thank you for, uh, for being here today. Uh, Thanks, Bob. You uh, gave some great insight and in, uh, into this issue. We hope that people don't have a crisis, but if they do, let's be prepared for it. Absolutely. We appreciate you listening to us today, and we'd like for you to follow us on iTunes and Stitcher. If you uh, would like to send us some uh, feedback, we'd certainly appreciate that at podcast at facilitydude.com. Have a great week, folks. Thank you for listening to the Facility Dude Podcast. We love to hear your feedback about the show. Leave us a five-star review on iTunes and help other facility operations professionals like yourself find the show. Email your questions or comments to podcast at facilitydude.com. Be sure to like us on Facebook and follow us on Twitter at Facility Dude. We look forward to hearing from you.